0: This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Letterboxd. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's the Obsessive Viewer podcast. And welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be a genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com and more podcasts presented by Obsessive Viewer at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. And if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at Patreon.com slash Obsessive Viewer, where we have four different reward or uh, four different uh, sponsorship Tears. I don't know how to pre- how to phrase it. Um, <laughs> uh, at the $1 per month level, you'll have access to over well over 150 exclusive B-roll episodes that we record before we record each episode. Kind of freewheeling, uh, fun little bits that we record as prep for the podcast recordings each time. And at the $2 level, you get access to those B-roll episodes and TV and book reaction episodes. Um, so I did like... Uh, a full thing on Billy Summers by Stephen King. I've done tons and ton- like almost I've, I've do- I've released 50 TV reaction recordings uh, this year um, <laughs> uh, for that tier. So for $2 per month, you get access to all of that. <laughs> um, I do episode by episode reactions to Falcon and the winter soldier, Loki foundation uh, and a bunch of other stuff. Chapel Wade. And then at the $5 level, you get access to everything that I've said, plus movie commentary tracks and reviews. What I've been doing is, uh, just for context, right now I have, this year alone, I have released 19 commentary tracks on that level. Wow. Yeah, the latest one being for, this, uh, for the Matrix, which uh, uh, I, I did a couple days ago. And then last month I did Dune and I did a whole series on the Halloween movies, uh, Halloween, Halloween Two, Halloween kills Halloween, 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 <laughs> and Halloween
1: H2O, Hollaback
0: girl, uh, Hollaback girl. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, all of that. And then I've also been doing what I've been dubbing Patreon potpourri, where I basically just sit down and talk for about an hour talking about four movies that I've, re- that I've watched recently. I've released seven episodes of that covering a bunch of different movies. Um, um, uh, yeah, so that's at the $5 level. And once again, you get access, if you sign up to the $5 level, you get access to that plus everything at the $2 level and everything at the $1 level as well. And then finally, at the $10 level, you get access to all of that plus early access to podcast episodes and previously unreleased content. Uh, so yeah, so if you're in the giving mood for... for uh, um, the holidays, Christmas, there we go. <laughs> um, please uh, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. There is literally a mountain of content there that uh, that we have for you there that uh, a lot of it is pretty listenable. Um, <laughs> so again, that's at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Um, yeah, so I am your host, the aforementioned Matt Hurd, and with me today for an extended potpourri at this late date. Um, and 2021 is Tiny. Hi, Tiny. Hey, buddy. Hey, how are you doing this evening? I'm really good. How are you, man? Good. I'm doing quite well. Quite well. Good. Um, feeling the crunch for the end of the year. Right. Um, my critics group that Ben and I are both a part of the Indiana Film Journalists Association just announced our nominations for this year's awards, which we are, uh, going to be announcing the awards this coming Monday. Um, so I have a few days before we meet and hash out the the nominees and pick the awards and everything um to kind of cram in the last of like the the ones that I need to see so i'm planning on watching oh uh, let's see um drive my car red rocket um disfluency which is an indie film that uh it i've i've heard a lot of really good things about hmm. and uh there are a bunch of them that i'm looking at uh, doing but i have a bunch of screenshots that oh i uh, drive my car riders of justice annette the humans um and a bunch of other movies so we'll see how many of those i can cram in before saturday but i'm excited nonetheless and uh and yeah tiny have you taken a gander at the ifj um awards nominations this year i did nice to any thoughts <laughs>
1: there's so much there um, yeah which is yeah. it's kind of cool how mm-hmm. you know you guys you don't know, stick to like oh only five right. five nominations per category like that's a little boring and, yeah you know stuff always gets left out and um I think you had the response that it's it's like it's better than every other awards <laughs> ceremony yeah. who has the same five movies of <laughs>
0: exactly that's
1: cool I I think that's cool so but it's like yeah. oh man this is how am I gonna choose like I feel almost a little overwhelmed by it um but I think it's cool that they they pick so many things for each category
0: nice yeah are there any that popped out at you that you were excited that we nominated or that uh pique your interest for movies that you want to see
1: um i had kind of judas and the black messiah kind of got shuffled out of the year because it was supposed to be a 2020 release and all Mm -hmm. that and but it actually didn't come out until this year so um it was
0: it was i think it, it was a it was a 2021 release through and through, but the Academy and several uh, awards adjusted their qualification period. Okay. So it was, it qualified for this year's Oscars, even though it came out in February. Gotcha.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: But we at the IFJ did not adjust our qualification period. So it's a 2021 movie. That makes sense. So,
1: Um. so yeah, I think it could have gotten, you know, shuffled out of a lot of people's, Ether for the mm-hmm. year, I guess. So that's exciting that it's staying in there. I still want to see it. Yeah. Um. And then, uh, because I'm a big Paul Thomas Anderson fan, Licorice Pizza, yeah. I really want to see that. Um. Mm-hmm. That's one of the ones I want to try to see before the end of the year. So nice. Did yeah.
0: you? Did you get a chance to see Inherent Vice? I never saw that. Okay. It's. I mean, it's. Uh, I saw it. I think I saw it last year. Mm-hmm. Um. At, at the height of quarantine and everything, but. I just, uh, I hated it so really? much. Really? Okay. It I, was, I heard bad things. Yeah I, <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. I could not, I could not get into it at all. Sounded good and good cast, but. Yeah. Yeah. I heard it wasn't great. So. Yeah. I heard really great things about Phantom Thread, though. I never saw that. I wanted I to. I never saw it either. Yeah. 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 Daniel Day-Lewis's final? Final performance? S- apparently asterisk
1: <laughs> right i feel um, like he's done this before yeah, yeah yeah
0: um but yeah the licorice pizza is is just it's uh, it's exquisite nice um my friends in the ifj some of some of them <laughs> took to referring to it as lick pee <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh and yeah so so that was a lot of fun <laughs> um <laughs> uh but yeah licorice pizza is very good and i may be talking about it in a few weeks hey um yeah uh any others any mm. Do you want me to throw out a couple of titles that you should maybe be on the lookout for? Go for it. Okay. I just want to make this joke again because it's so much fun. <laughs> but, oh, I do want to say you should definitely... If you haven't already s- seen Coda on a- Apple TV Plus... I haven't yet. It is a beautiful movie. Okay. Um, let's see. Luca was good for a Pixar movie. Um, so, the movie that I... Uh, one to ma- one to just say it just because of the joke, is that <laughs> it's, oh the Green Knight is really good, mm. but um the there's a Celine Siama movie called Petite ma- uh, Petite uh, Petite Maman. Um, did you ever see Portrait of a Lady on Fire? No. Okay, beautiful movie. I've heard, yeah, yeah. That is, this is her follow up to that. It's about this young girl who's uh who loses her grandmother, and it's her and her parents going to her grandmother's house to kind of clean it out and she goes into the woods and meets this little girl um in the woods and strikes up a friendship and that's all i'll say about it even though the plot summary kind of gives it away but there is there is a level of fantasy and slight science fiction to it Hmm. that just makes it it is a beautiful movie it is it is absolutely beautiful but the joke that I keep making in my head is I refer to it. It's called Petite Maman, but I keep referring to it as Petite Maman. Man. <laughs> um, so <laughs> so dumb.
2: Oh uh, yeah.
0: But yeah. So anyway. Uh, so yeah. So those those are my my uh, hard sells for you. Okay. Uh, to watch, but but yeah, I'm very excited for the IFGA awards. I'll put a link in the show notes to uh, to the full list of nominees and everything, and then. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm just super excited. I'm very proud to be a part of that group. I'm just it's, – it's such a good group of people and I'm just really proud to be a part of it. Sweet. Yeah, and uh, and then before we get into... By the way, we're doing extended potpourri, guys. I don't think I said that. <laughs> um, <laughs> on today's episode, we're doing an extended potpourri because we've both been watching a lot of stuff and kind of just a good way to kind of decompress and t- talk out some of the stuff we've watched. Um, I'm going to try not to have too much overlap with the Patreon potpourri segments that I've been doing on Patreon, but uh, shameless plug, check out Patreon. At the $5 level, I have a ton of stuff there, commentary tracks and patreon potpourri that i'm trying to be very diligent with recording stuff um so that I can kind of keep up with, with, uh, with all the stuff that I'm watching, keep everything organized in my brain. Um, I have mapped out the next three Patreon potpourri episodes, <laughs> uh, that I don't know. I might record one tonight. No, I'm, I'm not going to record one tonight. Well, maybe, but, um, <laughs> I'll probably record one or two tomorrow. But anyway, uh, yeah. So today on the show, we're going to be doing extended potpourri, but I do want to postpone that for just a moment. And say the news that, uh, that Ben actually sent to us earlier today in a group chat. Uh, by the way, check out Ben's website, themoviestate.com, his new website. Uh, check that out over there, themoviestate.com, and follow it on Twitter at themoviestate. Um, but he sent us a link from IndieWire that is Denny Villeneuve, set to direct Arthur C. Clark's space epic Rendezvous with Rama. Um, so news broke today that, uh, Denny Villeneuve is set to direct Arthur C. Clarke's Space Epic Rendezvous with Rama. (laughs) Um, and just seeing the title, just seeing the headline for this has me very excited because I think part of, part of me is, part of me kind of thought like, okay, well, once he's done with Dune, what if he doesn't go back to sci-fi? Um... Because I because I had read the trivia that like oh he did Arrival and Blade Runner twenty forty nine as kind of practice runs for uh, Dune, <laughs> and just like it, that it still just blows my mind. But I've already talked about that. But yeah. um, but I, I didn't know if he was he would go back to doing sci fi and here he's going to tackle Arthur C. Clarke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy. How do you how do you feel about this news? Do you have any um, knowledge of Rendezvous with Rama?
1: No, I am okay. completely unfamiliar with it. I okay. hadn't, hadn't heard of it until today when <laughs> nice. ben, ben sent us the news. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm just not really familiar with Arthur, Arthur C. Clarke mm-hmm. other than his relationship to sci-fi movies and mm-hmm. how a lot of his stuff gets adapted into movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, r- right now, Denis Villeneuve can kind of do no wrong, and mm-hmm. he's he's at the top of the sci-fi game. He's at the top of kind of the directing game in my opinion yeah. um i'm just uh, an unabashed fan of his mm. and uh i can't wait to see what he does with this i mean i doubt i'll be as excited as i was for dune right um but yeah it's it's just great news great news all around um yeah i think arthur c Clarke's stories from what i've seen tend to get a little um I know he was groundbreaking, and he was a, a tentpole of the genre. Mm. Um, but I feel like the movies of his that I've seen are a little, um, a little predictable. Or and, you know, maybe that's just an adaptation thing.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: I, I'm not. I'm not saying they're bad by any stretch. Yeah. I definitely like them. It's just um, I'm not as the the hard sci-fi mm-hmm. aspect of it is not as hard as a lot of other authors that I've read um and a, and a yeah. lot of his a lot of his contemporaries like i feel like um asimov is much more um compelling and unique and uh more hard sci-fi than than uh Arthur C Clarke is mm-hmm. in my opinion or like uh Bradbury yeah you know his, some of his contemporaries were a little more edgy and a little more original in my opinion um but i also haven't read really any of his stuff so i it's a bit yeah. a, a bit of an unfair box that I have him in, I guess. I haven't given him a fair enough shake, but um, if anyone can do something remarkable with Arthur C. Clarke, it's Denis Villeneuve, so.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, really, the only... What's, what's kind of mind-blowing to me right now is... Are the robot stories his or is that Asimov? That's Asimov. That's Asimov. Okay. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Sorry, I was just thinking
0: out loud. Yeah, no problem. Um that a lot of his stuff hasn't actually been adapted okay. that much. Um he did of course 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And uh 2010 is based on his novel. Um and then there was like a, a, a short story adaptation called Trapped in Space in 94. Um and then Childhood's End was on sci fi in 2015. Hmm. But other than that, there hasn't really been much Arthur C. Clarke. I thought Clark. there was more than that. What's so what's did the I.
1: Tom Cruise movie from.
0: Oh, I think you're thinking of uh, Philip K. Dick. Oh. Yeah. PKD.
1: That's exactly who I'm confusing yeah. Arthur C. Clarke, Philip K. Dick. Yep. That son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, what kind of fan am I? <laughs> 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 I forgot. Yeah. You know, I kind of forgot about 2001, obviously. Yeah. So maybe I'm. Uh, I must have been confusing the two.
0: I think so, too, because Philip K. Dix, uh, he, 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 prolific. Prol- right. Prolific stuff. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Were some of his stories in Electric Dreams as well, the Amazon series? Uh,
0: that, Yeah, that was... Full-on, 100% Philip K. Dick. Okay. That's what
1: I'm thinking. I was confusing the two.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: Switch the names for what I just said. Yeah. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) Uh, But yeah, but Arthur C. Clarke did uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, and Mm. Rendezvous with Rama, um, I don't know much about it. It's frustrating to me because... I listen to a lot of audiobooks and Rendezvous with Rama has like maybe two, it's a series of books and there are maybe three out of like six that are available on, uh, on, on Audible. So I really? have yeah, it's f- so frustrating. Yeah, that sucks. Um, same with the, same with his 2001, um, a Space Odyssey series, uh, the Space Odyssey series, um. The third and fourth one, I think, are, are not available on uh, on Audible. Weird. Yeah, very frustrating. But anyway, Rendezvous with Rama, just really quickly, uh, was first published in 1973. Set in the 2130s, the story involves a 50 by 20 kilometer cylindrical alien starship that enters the solar system. The story is told from the point of view of a group of human explorers who intercept the ship in an attempt to unlock its mysteries. So it's kind of interesting to think that uh, Philip K. Dick, or not Philip K. Dick, but um, uh, what's his name? Arthur Uh, C. Clarke. No, uh, Denis Villeneuve. Oh, Denis Villeneuve. (laughs) Uh, That he is going to be adapting it because it kind of seems, and granted, this is based on nothing, uh, it seems slightly similar to Arrival to an extent. Uh huh. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see how uh, like how that goes. I'm very excited for it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's that's exciting. Sweet. Um, yeah, we'll see uh, what happens with that. I'm sure that that's probably not going to be until after Dune Part Two, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm excited nonetheless. Um, yeah. yeah. It's cool news. Yeah, and I'll put a link to, in the show notes for that. Um, but we don't really have much else to do in terms of news and everything, so would you like to just dive right into Extended Potpourri Tiny? Yes, sir. All right, and Tiny, do you want to get us kicked off with your first segment for Potpourri? By the way, you guys, uh, Potpourri is a section of the podcast where we talk about whatever we want, uh, what we're looking forward to, what we're... Uh, What we've seen lately, what we're looking forward to, anything we want, as long as it smells good. And this episode is an extended potpourri. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, 300, almost 360 episodes in, if you guys don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But, you know, in case you're a first time listener. So, Tiny, do you want to get us kicked off with your first potpourri segment?
1: I'd be happy to. All right. I first wanted to talk about the latest uh, entry in the American Crime Story saga as told by uh, Ryan Murphy mm-hmm. and his brethren, um, <laughs> I so I'm kind of hit or miss on Ryan Murphy. Um, I am not into American Horror Story at all. Uh, I don't think it sucks or looks like really bad or anything. I just mm-hmm. it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah, I think I watched the first two episodes and just just stopped. And of
0: American Horror Story,
1: yeah. Uh, of American Horror Story, and I just haven't... I wasn't mm-hmm. able to get into it and just haven't really tried. Um, yeah. But uh, he's done so much other stuff. Um, he produces a lot of, like, documentaries and everything. Mm-hmm. I've liked some of the documentaries. Um, and then I think he's kind of hit some... hit a sweet spot with American Crime Story. Mm-hmm. Um, the O.J. Simpson one was was phenomenal. I really loved it. I thought it was great writing, um, superior acting. And so um, I never saw the... Versace one. Yeah, I haven't watched either. it yet. Um, I wasn't particularly interested in it, but uh, I was really excited when they announced the impeachment one, mm-hmm. which came out. Um, I think it was this year. Yeah, it was, yeah, a, it was a few like, months ago. Actually, yeah, a few months ago. Yeah. Um. So I, the Paige and I were both uh, very interested to watch it. Um, mm-hmm. we watched it. It was actually it was ten episodes, and it um. It was good. It was it was good. It wasn't as good as the O.J. Simpson one, mm-hmm. um, but uh, the acting was just top notch. Um, the especially the three leads, uh, Beanie Feldstein, mm-hmm. Sarah Paulson, and Clive Owen, um, were all fantastic. Like award worthy uh, acting, um, especially Beanie Feldstein and uh, mm-hmm. Sarah Paulson. Nice. Um, That was top notch. Their, their scenes together were terrific. Um, their ability to capture tension with one another was so good. I so much, so much credit to the actors on this. Um, but I think, I think where it faltered was in the structure and the writing. Okay. Um, mainly the structure. It was, it was 10 episodes, but it felt like 20. Oh, really? It was like, I feel like they could have told this story in a much tighter way. Mm -hmm. um there were like almost whole episode i think it should have been like seven episodes oh wow myself it was there were like whole episodes that were just not not a lot happened and it was just Mm -hmm. uh it seemed very manufactured and like um i i guess monica Lewinsky was a producer on this and she Mm -hmm. was obviously very involved in like telling the story and i'm sure that as a result of that there's a lot of a lot of the story where she's like, I want to make sure this is in here. Mm-hmm. This is all speculation on my part. I don't, I don't have anything to back this up, but I, I assume there was a lot of stuff that was added in here where she said, I want to make sure this is in here because it's important to, oh, okay. to like frame my, to like show what frame of mind I was in and what frame of mind the president was in and Linda Tripp and all that. And so like that's, an incredible resource for them to have for the show. And like, mm-hmm. obviously that, that you can't even put a value on how, how great it is to have her involved. But I, I just think it's sort of distracted from the pacing and the structure of the show because it just felt so much of it just felt distracting. And like, it didn't feel like it was integral to the development of the characters or the story. It was just, just there because someone felt it needed to be there for accuracy or something like that. Mm-hmm. I I really don't know the details, but, um, it was just a little clunky in that regard. Um, and there was like, there was a whole episode. I can't remember what it was called, but it was basically about how Hillary, Hillary Rodham Clinton mm-hmm. kind of reacted to everything. Okay. I had an interesting title. What was it called? Um, Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. I went to the wrong season. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, sorry. Um, I should have pulled this up. Oh, that's fine. Um, Stand By Your Man. Oh, uh, okay. Which I guess in real life she made a Tammy Wynette Stand By Your Man reference oh. in an interview and she was kind of criticized for it. Um, hmm. So that was a apropos or a very apt uh, um, title for that episode. But um, Edie Falco played Hillary Rodham Clinton, and she did mm-hmm. she did a good job, um, but that was kind of her episode, and like it it was, it was good, but it just felt out of place. I, I think about other other series where they kind of take a break from the main story mm-hmm. to give you a perspective from a character, and I love those episodes, yeah, because it it's it's all about character development, and it's so it's so um, immersive. For mm. for for character development, and I usually love those episodes. Yeah, but it just felt like a distraction in this one. Oh, wow, that's that sucks. I'm not sure whose fault it is. I, I definitely not Edie Falco. She, like I said, she did a good job, but uh, mm. I don't know. It just some of it just didn't work. Okay. Um, but I'm definitely positive on it. There's mm. they they like I said, the acting is just so damn good, and the dialogue writing is very good. Nice. Um, there's just a, a little bit of of uh, structure structure and development issues in it um but i i definitely recommend watching it especially if you're a fan of this um this series mm-hmm. and you like true crime or you like uh ryan murphy whatever it yeah. is um it's it's definitely worth a watch um but it's just it's just a tad a tad too long in mm-hmm. my opinion and needed some editing and some paring down um yeah. Have you you yes. haven't watched it, have you?
0: I so I watched uh the OJ one. Okay. I did not watch Versace, and I haven't watched uh Impeachment yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I will. Um Okay. So um couple of things about about that. Um one is that I just I flat out I don't I don't like Ryan Murphy's yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like I gave American Horror Story, I watched the first season and I just, I'm, I'm, I had no interest in anything else with American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm astonished that it's gone for so long and has like a spinoff anthology series or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But my whole thing with Ryan Murphy, and this is, this also goes for the um, the OJ season, which I thought was really good and everything, mm-hmm. but I'm finding more and more that he just lacks any subtlety whatsoever yeah that's fair yeah and that is just such a a a distraction for me like in american horror story like i think i would go so far as to be a complete cynic and say that the success of american horror story is contingent upon american horror stories just blatant like the the way that american horror story uh rips off iconic horror elements in the name of homage like Hmm. it's it's frustrating like i mean there was an episode in the first season of american horror story that's like a home invasion episode or something and uh they play the music from um from either Psycho or Carrie, which is also kind of the same music, basically. <laughs> but um, but anyway, I don't know. It's just, it's very derivative. It's very, whatever, surface level. And I kind of felt a little bit of that with the American Crime Story season about OJ. Even though I liked that, there's like little, like, just subtlety of a of a bag of hammers falling, falling on your head. Yeah, like, all right. Uh Like, just like the Kardashians saying... Like, uh, is it Robert Kardashian, Mm -hmm. um, him, him saying something like, oh, everyone wants to be famous for not doing anything or something. Just like that (laughs) level of just stupid pandering, like. Pop culture references and like cheeky little like winking at the at the audience kind of thing, right? With literally no subtext behind it. It's just the subtext is text.
1: Thinks it's clever, but it's not exactly.
0: Yeah. And I read one review of American Crime Story: Impeachment that (laughs) I was like, I was intrigued by, and then I read this one part, and I'm like, okay, he hasn't changed. Like his style hasn't changed. The show hasn't changed or anything. So I'm gonna nope out of it. But uh, apparently, there is a scene. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, or provide context, whatever. Where uh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh appears, and his first line in the show is, "I don't take no for an answer." <laughs> like, fuck off, Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Like, I mean, like that whole that whole Supreme Court justice thing. Like that. Like, I I agree with the politics of that, mm-hmm. but I vehemently disagree with the. Like lack of artistry in in commenting on that. Yeah. Like it is just it is just way too dumbed down. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. So I'm. I want to see Beanie Feldstein as as Monica Lewinsky. I want to see that mostly because the um that whole that whole ordeal was I was way too young to really be conscious of it. Me too. And like I wanted, I want to learn about it, mm-hmm. but. I don't know if I want to learn about it from Ryan Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, right. Yeah. So I don't know. That's my own like bias, I guess, but. Well, that's it. Yeah. I think that's a great way to put
1: it is that mm-hmm. he, he lacks subtlety. Mm-hmm. That's such a great way to put it because he does. And that's, <laughs> I mean, that, that is, I wish I had thought of that. Cause that's, that is mm-hmm. such a great way to put it. Yeah. The whole, the Brett Kavanaugh thing. Yeah. Like is, is the opposite of subtle. Like yeah. he is, he is a 10 on the, on mm-hmm. the Richter scale, the whole yeah. time, and it's like, I I don't know if Brett Kavanaugh is actually like that, but like mm-hmm. he's just he's well, so, he
0: is testimony. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's so abrasive all mm. the time in the show, and it's like we get it. You don't like Brett Kavanaugh, yeah. Um, Kobe Smulders also plays Ann Coulter. Oh, that's right. Really well, nice. she she does a really good job. Um, and, and but yeah, and it's it, it, the lack of subtlety when he he forces modern politics into this. Yeah. And like, um, um, not modern, but like, um, oh, what's a better word? Like like a snapshot of right what politics are like right now yeah. in 2021. And it's like, that just really, really dates your, mm-hmm. and it doesn't make it flow across the timeline. You're talking about something from the mid nineties and you're injecting 2021 politics yeah. into it. It just doesn't, it doesn't fit well. And like, it's, it's again, it's like that, that really unnecessary wink to the audience that doesn't really add anything to the show. It just makes yeah. you look like kind of a dick really. <laughs> right. um, yeah. And there, there's, there's not an abundance of that, but there's more than a few examples of it in this, okay. in this show. But, but again, ultimately I'm, I'm positive on it. I thought it was, um, thought it was really well done on, on, a lot of levels, especially Sarah Paulson. She mm-hmm. was, phenomenal i mean she was unrecognizable Mm -hmm. throughout most of the show her character is just a nut yeah and uh she plays it really well i was blown away by her nice yeah
0: did you see um the netflix movie that ryan murphy did last year called the prom no i think it was a musical um the the uh plot summary is A troop of hilariously self-obsessed theater stars swarm into a small conservative Indiana town in support of a high school girl who wants to take her girlfriend to the prom. Um, I heard that it was just kind of (laughs) (laughs) god-awful. I never watched it, but uh, the consensus was that um, – not the consensus, but some of the critiques that I read about it was that – like from local critics and everything was that yeah there's no, like this this looks nothing like Indiana <laughs> <laughs> nice so I'm kind of curious about that but I don't know it just I from what I heard it was also kind of just really pandering and yeah uh, right yeah. yeah yeah so well that is American Crime Story impeachment is that is that on FX or on Hulu it's on it's, that was a, we we kind of struggled to find it because I we oh. have
1: a Hulu. We have Hulu Live, okay, which is so we can watch live TV, Mm -hmm. but it's also the same as a premium subscription, right? And we couldn't get it on there. We had to watch. We had to like log into the FX app. Oh, really? To watch it, and the FX app is terrible. Mm -hmm. And I think we had to use like Paige's parents' DirecTV login because our Hulu login wasn't like as it wasn't taking it as our provider, and we were like. I was like, I thought FX had a deal with Hulu. Like, what's the fucking problem here? They
0: they did. And then I think I just read recently that they're kind of doing away with the whole FX on Hulu thing. Okay. But they're still keeping the... Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, we couldn't watch it on Hulu. Yeah, they're keeping... I, I think they were supposed to be keeping all the content on there. But I don't hmm. know. But I mean, um, yeah, Impeachment, American Crime Story, should be available with live TV Hmm. I don't have that but yeah yeah, I don't know Anyway that's interesting So find it any way you can I guess Right Or just don't Um, (laughs) Yeah or just don't see it Whatever (laughs) uh, Whatever Um, Cool well do you want me to go ahead and bring in Bring us into our My first potpourri Please do All right. well I actually have a clip from the trailer for this Oh, It is The Tragedy of Macbeth And I'm going to play a clip from the trailer right here
2: tricking of my thumbs something wicked this way comes
0: so the tragedy of macbeth stars denzel washington and frances mcdormand as uh, macbeth and lady macbeth respectively um and it is directed by joel cohen um and it is an adaptation of Macbeth. Um, <laughs> uh, it's shot in black and white. It's in four by three um, aspect ratio. So it's that kind mm. of square. Um, absolutely gorgeous movie. Um, wow. First of all, it is going to be in theaters on on Christmas and then it's going to hit, I believe, Apple TV plus next month. But it is hard to explain. I, for... for um, patrons at patreon.com slash viewer got access to my thoughts on it um, uh, for my Patreon Potpourri episode 7, but I will try not to rehash it here. But basically, this movie is um, something that I struggled with a little bit because I am just a massive, massive, massive fan of Akira Kurosawa's Throne of Blood, which is an adaptation of Macbeth set in feudal Japan with samurai and all that um amazing movie one of my all time favorites also plug for patreon $5 level i have a commentary track on there for that uh movie so that's what i that's how i know macbeth is through throne of blood and i think in high school we read macbeth uh-huh. yeah and uh that's all i really know about macbeth or that's how i know about macbeth so going into a new adaptation of it and From someone who is clearly talented, as uh, Joel Cohen is, uh, and, I mean, Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand, they're two just powerhouse performers. They are incredible. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, Going into that, I found myself really struggling not to compare it to Throne of Blood, which is, I shouldn't compare it because that's not fair. (laughs) Um, But I will say that the... I mean it doesn't compare to throne of blood <laughs> throne of blood's amazing, but one thing that I really, really loved about Joel Cohen's take on this is that it is just absolutely gorgeous mm-hmm. um the cinematography is outstanding um the way that he utilizes that aspect ratio to create like this very tight claustrophobic kind of film um like the sets are all like immaculate like they they're mm. incredibly it's it's weird because they're both bare but also incredibly geometrical mm. so like it's very cold and like empty throughout it, but like the way that the light hits like the walls and and pillars in indoors and the way that shadows are cast across the floor is like it is like a it is legitimately like a painting um like hmm. a black and white painting
1: is it set in like 17th century denmark or whatever
0: it, it is uh yeah ireland was it ireland is it... yes oh, Scotland, scotland scotland it's I couldn't... The, it's the scottish play
2: i couldn't remember um, which one it was yeah
0: scotland okay. um but that's also kind of kind of the the I don't know. The the kind of thing that kind of detracts from it for me is that it is this is gonna sound so uncultured and so um <laughs> I don't know how it's gonna make me sound, but it's very it's 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 Shakespeare dialogue. It's like mm-hmm. he didn't adapt it into like, you know, like Denzel Washington. Like my my letterbox review um starts with uh, King Lear ain't got shit on me. <laughs> um <laughs> So (laughs) that's great. Yeah. Um, But no, it's not it's not like a um, it's not like an adaptation in terms of the written word. So the dialogue, I believe, is straight out of Shakespeare's play, Hmm. which is is great all on its own. Like, I will say I will preface what I'm about to say by saying that I think that like seeing Shakespeare performed like either on stage or screen is just like it is it is amazing it is incredible and i will probably go to my grave not having a single ounce of understanding about how people can memorize like (laughs) like uh shakespearean dialogue and recite it with in like just on stage i i don't understand how that works right um but the kind of issue with that is that, like once once you get into the movie and get acclimated to the to the dialogue and the the visual style and everything, it's you know it's not like it's hard to understand. I right. mean, it's 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 English language. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just dressed up and in uh, like I don't know. Does Shakespeare do iambic pentameter? Yeah, but I don't think he always does it. Okay, because I don't know if that was in iambic pentameter or not. Yeah, I don't know enough about I don't mean it. It's a fun phrase to say, yeah, iambic exactly. pentameter. It's fun to I say. Just, I really want to sound smart. <laughs> right. Um, because I'm sitting here talking about how, oh, it talks <laughs> like Shakespeare. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> which isn't the case. So right. I do think that it's it's beautifully performed. I mean, Denzel mm-hmm. Washington and Francis McDormand are amazing. Mm-hmm. And also Corey Hawkins is in it. He's great. Oh, nice. Um, and oh, also Brendan Gleason. Ooh.
2: Um,
0: and so it's it's great the way that it's performed, but the problem that I have, and I'll probably have to revisit it, is that I feel like I did not grasp the emotion of the characters because I was so fixated on the the um the style of dialogue and the kind of the art of performing Shakespeare dialogue. So I think because of that, there's like this coldness that's felt in terms of the emotions of the characters. And I just feel like there was something missing there. There was something that I I wish that there was more emotion for the characters, because when I watch not to not to compare it to it, but when I watch Throne of Blood, like I feel for you know the characters, and I I know what's I like the emot- emotive nature of the performance is there. And granted, that's also probably it's a different language, and mm-hmm. I'm reading it and then seeing the seeing the reactions and everything. So maybe there's a disconnect there. But here, it's just it's more them reciting the reciting the um, Shakespearean dialogue, and that's kind of. I don't want to say that's it, but it just felt like there was something missing in terms of the emotion of the performances.
2: Hmm.
0: Um, So ultimately, it was just okay for me. Okay. But I will 100% say everyone should go watch uh, Throne of Blood. It's on HBO Max and Criterion Channel. Nice. Um, Great, great movie. Um, So yeah, so do you have any interest in seeing The Tragedy of Macbeth? Um. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: I especially if it's <laughs> if it's going to be available on like a streaming service, I would watch yeah. it that. Way. I don't know that I want to go see it in the theater.
0: Oh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I mentioned this in Patreon Potpourri, but um <laughs> there was I saw The Green Knight in the theater uh, on Sunday and there were these two these two women behind me And, like, The Green Knight is an A24 movie, and A24 has some very out-there kind of movies. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the trailers were for A24 movies, like Red Rocket and The Tragedy of Macbeth. And when the Tragedy of Macbeth uh, trailer played... Which was the clip that I played? Um, Like, I heard them behind me say, "Like, what is the deal with these trailers?" (laughs) And and then the Green Knight started, and the Green Knight is weird. Yeah. And like twenty minutes in, they got up and left, and never returned. Dang. (laughs) So I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But yeah. Tragedy and Macbeth. Um. See it when you can, or check out Throne of Blood, but which is a much better adaptation, in my opinion. Is Macbeth the one? where his dad comes back as a ghost no that is uh that is hamlet hamlet is the other one i'm thinking of which in in the patreon potpourri i mistakenly said that i've seen othello performed on stage i've seen hamlet on stage not othello okay so i am sorry to our patreon supporters Hamlet is the to-be-or-not-to-be uh, soliloquy. That's the question, yeah. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. yeah.
1: That's the one I'm more familiar with is Hamlet. Yeah. They're, he's the, the Danish king in that one. Yeah. I yep. think, yeah, okay.
0: Something's rotten in Denmark. There you go. Um, okay. Yeah, Hamlet's awesome.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. That's the one I connected with more, but yeah. we did, I think we read Macbeth in high school.
0: Yeah, I remember we read Macbeth, and then we also read, do you remember... Romeo I think and it was Romeo and Juliet, like yeah. the uh, the hip hip hop version of it. <laughs> Do you remember that? No. Who was our like sophomore English teacher?
1: We were that freshman year.
0: Was it freshman year? It was. Yeah. Was it for uh, Mr. Linhorn? Linhorn.
1: Linhorn really? Freshman. I remember that. Yeah.
0: I could have sworn it was for who was our sophomore English teacher?
1: Mr. Dorman.
0: Dorman. I could have sworn it was Dorman. I might have to challenge you on that.
1: Uh, I. Th- could have sworn it was freshman year with linhorn
0: because uh i feel like mr linhorn didn't have that much of a sense of humor (laughs) because like it was like i remember i don't know if mr Dorman like did this or if it was like something that he pulled off the internet or something but it was like it was like a hip like uh a hip read of romeo and juliet (laughs) like with like vernacular like like teen speak vernacular (laughs) of like the early 2000s I don't remember that at all. Okay, I think I would remember that. Yeah, I, I oh. don't know, but anyway, yeah, I do remember reading Romeo and Juliet um, mm-hmm. and uh, Macbeth. We read, I think we read Macbeth and Hamlet senior year. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. yeah that sounds about parrot. Right. Yes, yep, yeah. that 100%. Yeah. Yep, yeah. and I remember I was super like, Oh, Macbeth, it's like throw the blood. Like, hey, do you guys know Akira Kurosawa? I'm 16. I'm um, oh my god, I guess at that point I was like 17 or 18, <laughs> right? But still,
1: <laughs> junior year we didn't read anything because that was comp, comp, composition. composition? Jesus, okay. I almost like compilation, composition, <laughs> linguistics, yeah. <right.
2: laughs>
0: <laughs> they ain't teach me how to
1: talk though. <laughs> <laughs> I can uh, write real party, but not talk. Um, <laughs>
0: was that composition, Mr. I'm, Murphy?
1: Mr. Murphy was. Yeah, I don't think we read hardly anything. I think it was all writing. Oh, really? Year, if I remember, I don't correctly. remember.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: Eh. If I'm remembering correctly, but I I don't know. Yeah, and then sophomore year was kind of a blend of oh, both yeah. with Mr. Dorman. Yeah. Anyways, then freshman year was nine eleven. <laughs> right, um, so you, yeah. you might be right though. I, I mm-hmm. but I could have sworn it was no. Freshman, freshman year. year was
0: definitely nine eleven. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, because I remember being like mad mm-hmm. about reading Romeo and Juliet because mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, why is this so fucking popular? Like this oh, this dude yeah. wants to get laid. Like mm-hmm. this is love it for it's not love it for sight. It's lust at it first sight. Like, yes, I th- I thought I remembered arguing with Mister. Mr. Linhorn, like, Mm -hmm. I was like, why is this such, like, why do people think this is so fucking great? I Mm. don't get it. It's this dude wants to get laid. Like, and I I thought it was, people think it's this amazing love story. I Mm. was like, homie's 14 years old wants to get laid. (laughs) Um, I, I relate to that (laughs) as a fellow 14 year old. Um. Of course Did you
0: I've. say this exactly? Oh
1: yeah, I said Mr. this in class. I was, yeah. I remember saying, I was Mr. like,
0: Mr. I was like, this guy just wants to get laid.
1: Yeah, I literally said that oh, in class. Nice. And wow, yeah, I remember. Interesting. I, I, I could have sworn it was Mr. Lernhorn.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah um, I've since
1: altered my opinion on. Oh yeah, like I get it. There's some, it's kind of some good writing in there. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, but I still contend that he was just, uh, he just wanted to get laid. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, right. Um. Yeah.
1: Anyways. Oh, Romeo. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, but yeah, The Tragedy of Macbeth, check out Throne of Blood, guys. Throne of Blood, guys.
1: It is a good one. I've um, seen it. It's been yeah. a long time. But yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a good one. Yeah.
0: I'm very excited because I think the last week of the year I'm going to squeeze in at least two Kurosawa movies. Cool. Um, specifically because I, um, on my Letterboxd, on my stats for the year, my most viewed directors um, has been... Akira Kurosawa has been tied for first place with a bunch of different directors because I've watched three movies. Hmm. Um, and last year he was the top director that I watched last year. Um, hmm. and I kind of wanted to keep the streak going, but because, uh, Matrix Resurrections is coming out, uh, now Lana Wachowski has hmm. usurped Kurosawa. Dang. Um, and I kind of really want to try to do a commentary track on Patreon for, Seven Samurai, <laughs> the three and a half hour that's... epic movie that I say is my favorite movie of all time, <laughs> which, it, it, I mean, the commentary will be fun to record, but right. it'll be something I might have to do in, in sections. Sure, for reals. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, uh, that's my first segment for Potpourri. Okay. Uh, what do you got next for us, Tiny? And is it... Okay, yeah. Introduce it, and I have a clip from the trailer for you.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, so my next one, I just watched it this weekend, is The Tomorrow War. Nice. It uh, came out on Amazon Prime this mm-hmm. year, earlier this year.
0: Nice. Uh, and I will play a clip from the trailer now. Okay. Oh, wait, hang on. Here we go.
2: We are fighting a war 30 years in the future. This is a joke? Our enemy is not human. We need you to fight. You got drafted.
3: I will be back. Why is this happening? What about the teachers' deferment and the veterans' deferment?
1: If I don't go, they're going to draft you in my place. But if something does happen to me, you and Mary will be taken care of.
3: If something happens to you, Dan, seventy percent of draftees do not return.
4: Sometimes a man does what's best for his family, not himself.
1: Move your shirt,
0: please. And what's this for? It's just a test.
3: Oh, a seatbelt.
0: Was it a driving test? No, you don't have jokes in the future. And uh, we talked about uh, The Tomorrow War briefly in uh, episode 348 of the podcast this year. Okay. So, Tiny, what did you think of The Tomorrow War? Well, this will be brief, too. Um, (laughs) It wasn't
1: very good, and Mm -hmm. I kind of knew that going in. I had heard pretty much resoundingly that it was a a pretty not good movie, Mm -hmm. um, which I agree with. Um, but the reason I wanted to talk about it is cause, because it's, um, I feel like the concept was, could have been really cool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think if you get, would have gotten the right director attached and the right screenwriter, this could have morphed into a really cool movie where yeah. if someone had taken it a little more seriously and spent a little more time with it, um, and I think captured the right tone, I think this could have been a really cool compelling sci-fi movie kind of in the same kind of in the same vein as like Minority Report yeah I don't think it'd be the same as like a real hard sci-fi like Arrival or something Mm -hmm. like that but a fun popcorn sci-fi movie that can take itself seriously at times like Minority Report yeah I think think it could have been in that vein um, with with the right people attached but it was so it just had like 35 producers fingerprints all over it like totally just a a hack job of Mm. way too many cooks in the kitchen and just like oh let's get chris we got chris pratt throw a bunch Mm. of money at it like (laughs) that's kind of what it felt like and just like ah, just just throw it together it'll people will watch it yeah and and it was it's just kind of turned into one of those movies and Mm -hmm. it's really a shame because i think again the concepts concept was so cool and like I feel like the some of the themes were like kind of like really scary. Like the idea yeah. that you get fucking drafted and you have to like get sent back in time and you only mm-hmm. have a 20% survival rate in this yeah. war and like they don't prepare you at all, which is which was a fucking ridiculous part of the movie. <laughs> right. It's like we don't want to show you anything because I don't even remember what the fucking line was. Yeah. yeah, I was like that's so fucking dumb. Yeah, that is such lazy fucking writing. Mm-hmm. Um. But those those ideas together, I was like, when when they were getting ready to jump into the future, I was like, this is ta- like this is terrifying. Yeah, this would oh, scare yeah. the shit out of me. Oh yeah, and like this could be explored to like some sci-fi horror level mm-hmm. if it was done right, but it wasn't done right. Yeah. Um. And I I think I love Chris Pratt, mm-hmm. but I just feel like he was a little miscast in this. I feel like yeah. you know his his funny quippiness mm-hmm. is great. Um, and it can be used to great effect in so many, so many ways, but I feel like it was a little out of place in this movie, Yeah, especially with his buddy, um, who was the comic relief. What's yeah. his name? Uh, uh,
0: um, Sam Richardson. Sam Richardson. Yeah. I, he's good. I adore that man. He's great. And everything. He's, he's great. great.
1: He's really funny. And I think he was, he was doing a good job mm-hmm. with what he was given yeah. in this movie. But it's like it's almost like him and Chris Pratt were at odds, yeah. Trying to vie for the comic relief in this, yeah, and it it caused a lot of stuff to not land, mm-hmm. um, and just just the shitty writing all around. I yeah. mean, just really shitty writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I mean, they also managed to get a pretty compelling father daughter conflict mm-hmm. and relationship thing going. I mean, and, and it also was over a two hour movie, but it felt rushed. Yeah. Which is nuts. Um, mm. I feel like they dropped a lot of storylines and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And a lot of themes got dropped. Um, but, you know, it, yeah. it, it, I'm, j- I'm just bummed. Because I think w- in the right hands, this could have been a really cool sci-fi movie. Yeah. Or at least a really fun movie that we talk about. And, you know, like something like Minority Report, like mm-hmm. I said. But uh, it just, it wasn't meant to be. I yeah. You saw, it. you saw it, right?
0: I, I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Echo a lot of the sentiments. Yeah. But... Two things just bothered the hell out of me for that movie. One Mm -hmm. is just a minor nitpick that I'm just like, okay, stop. Um, (laughs) Is that it does a thing that I hate in movies. And I can't really point to any other examples off the top of my head. But the movie, this isn't necessarily spoilery or anything, but the movie ends with a voiceover. Mm -hmm. That... Comes out of nowhere.
1: Completely out of like, the left field.
0: It is it is so annoying. Like yeah. There's no voiceover in the movie until that point. Right. Um, it's just, it's so dumb. But the other thing about that is that I just, if I could go back in time to like 2008, I, I love the movie that I'm going to reference here. I really do. But I wish that I could go back in time and just say, hey, JJ, you and Matt Reeves, you're Creating Cloverfield, I know it's a secret and everything, (laughs) but I just want to prepare you guys because every freaking sci-fi movie that has aliens in it is going to copy this look of the monster. Yeah. Like, it's just like... uh, do something else unique. Do right. something
1: unique with the monster. Let's make its arms bigger than its legs. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. Let's give it some tentacles.
0: Yeah, right. And also, to your point, <laughs> let's not tell these people how to fight these right. monsters exactly at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Just ugh, it right. was it was a mess.
1: Yeah, and there um, was I'm not going to spoil it, of course, but there's mm-hmm. like a there's an ending. Mm-hmm. It's not tacked on. It's a it's a realized and thought out ending mm-hmm. but it was the wrong ending like th- there was there was a conclusive ending yeah. where I, i'm not going to spoil it but you know mm-hmm. he when he gets sent back yeah that should have been the end of mm-hmm. the movie and well, you it's obvious what's going to happen right yeah. but they throw in this whole part at the end or there's this extra part like I really didn't need that I vaguely remember it and they could have fleshed out all of this Mm -hmm. the meat of the movie and made it a much better movie
0: yeah well the central conflict between him and his daughter in the movie was pretty pretty compelling well it it was compelling, but also I don't understand it because it is contingent on the actions of Chris Pratt's character that I don't understand those actions. Like the reason that she is angry with him is because of something that he does. And I'm like right. the movie does not tell me why he did this thing. Right. Or what led to this thing. Like I, I have no idea.
1: That's true. Yeah. And, and it while, could have fleshed that stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh it, yeah. It would have been more compelling. Yeah.
0: yeah. And yeah. while that is like the emotional crux of the movie it's like by the by the time that is resolved, I'm like, I don't care because I don't b I don't believe this. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's dumb. Yeah. Um also <laughs> you've gotta love a script that has a completely random scene with a student talking about their love of something <laughs> that just magically comes into play right. later in the movie. Oh my god. Oh my god. Freaking god! That was
1: part of that whole ending that I was yeah, like, "Wow, this okay, is that just, <laughs> they really threw all this shit together, man. This is oof. it is so dumb." Again, it was fully realized, yeah. but it's like, "Why did you do this? <laughs> we don't need this."
0: Like, why make the key to this to this element of the story be contingent on a completely throwaway character and line? Right? Like, you
1: could have googled this.
0: Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Pretty pretty dumb movie. It I, was very I didn't dumb. like it.
1: Yeah. yeah. I gave it t- I think I gave it two and a half stars. Nice. Which I would probably drop to two. Mm-hmm. But that's a that's a bad rating for me. Yeah. I very rarely rank something one stars or one and a half. Yeah, same that's here. That's almost as low as I usually ever go. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's it's a shame. Yeah. Um it, I, I did kind of, I was into it though. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the least I can say for it. I was into it and I wanted to see what happened. Sure. But um that's that's about it.
0: Yeah. 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 It's streaming on Amazon Prime. It um, is. Yeah. It sure is. It's uh it's something I'm not gonna watch again. Yeah, me. Either. Um me but yeah, Sam Richardson though, love that dude. Yeah, um, he's good. And he's had a good year. He had this uh Werewolves Within, which was fine. Um, He was also in, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I, I, I think he's, he's great.
1: And J.K. Simmons got a paycheck, so Yeah, absolutely. Nice.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, who, J.K. Simmons? He had a good year, too. He um, did, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, so we're kind of running a little bit low on time. Yes. Yes, so I am going to just do one more, and if you want to do one more after that, we can call sure. it a night after that. Yeah, I'll be brief. Okay, I'll be pretty brief with this one, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about The Green Knight, which I have a clip from the trailer that I'm going to play right now. <gasps>
2: You rest your bones, I'll finish your quest for you.
4: That is why a knight does what he does.
0: So, The Green Knight is... It stars Dev Patel. It was supposed to be a 2020 release, but because of COVID, it got pushed. And I'm going to just read the quick plot summary from IMDb. But while I bring that up, I'm going to say... uh, Oh, also, Alicia Alicia Vikander is in this movie as well. Mm. Um, But... uh, but yeah, okay, the the plot summary courtesy of IMDB is a fantasy retelling of the medieval story of Sir uh, Gaw- Gawain and the Green Knight. Um my one of my favorite tweets from the year that I wrote so this is just self, you know, congratulatory. But one of my <laughs> favorite tweets was um quote, uh The Green Knight. It's it's like part Green Book and part The Dark Knight. And then I attributed the quote to a film critic who only reviews titles of movies. <laughs> um, so dumb. But The Green Knight uh, is just stunning. I mean, it, mm. I was very impressed with it. Um, it is. And, and one of the reasons why I want to bring it up is because of a special kind of connection that I made to it. But basically, it's uh, Sir Gawan. Gawain um he is Ar- uh, King Arthur's nephew and he is basically he's at he's at the round table and he uh accepts a challenge from this creepy like forest looking knight to basically th- it's that he is um uh, one of like he comes in and challenges King Arthur and he's like uh basically one of your knights uh can uh, try to best me in combat and um, one year from now, whatever blow they inflict upon me, they have to come to me, and I will have to do the same thing to them. Hmm. Um, so it's 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 kind of a weird concept and an interesting concept, and it's also Christmassy, hmm. but because it's set at Christmas. But it is basically about Dev Patel as the nephew of King Arthur, who he he battles the Green Knight, and then he has to go a year later to face the Green Knight. And it's a very interesting story, the way that it's told, because it is about kind of honor and, and, um, and cowardice also to an extent. And it's the, just the journey that Dev Patel's character goes through is very, very illuminating and interesting on a character level. But the thing that I found really like that I latched onto is that it, uh, it's directed by, oh God, what is his name? Why am I blanking on his name? um david lowry i think hmm. who did yeah david lowry who did um a ghost story i never saw pete's dragon i never saw the old man and the gun which i saw but that's kind of weird and incongruous with the rest of his movies hmm. um but anyway he uh, like i he was on Kingcast, i think and uh they made very clear allusions to the dark tower with this movie oh. um and david larry i guess had never read the dark tower so it it was just not something that uh was he was conscious of when making this movie but watching the movie i'm like this feel like give david lowry the dark tower give him a crack at the dark tower that would be very interesting nice um because this movie is about this you know the nephew of king arthur an arthur arthurian knight Mm -hmm. um i don't know i think he was technically a knight but anyway he's you know in in the world of king arthur he is on a quest to reach a destination where he is reaching he's going to like face his destiny and everything and it's about honor it's about sacrifice it's about all of these things and all along the way he meets just these eclectic people in these very strange encounters and atmospheres and, and different landscapes and different creatures and i'm like this like this is this feels like a dark tower kind of journey hmm. um just that fantasy element it's just it's be- and it's beautifully realized it is absolutely gorgeous nice um and also there <laughs> <laughs> there is a small fox that uh follows him around uh uh-huh. that at one point speaks to him. <laughs> nice. And I'm just like, "Oh, it's like a Billy Bumbler." <laughs> yeah. It's oy um so yeah it's 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 a really good movie i i really was taken with it um i I was really impressed with it it's a green night it's i think it's in theaters i don't know how long it's going to be in theaters again but i think they re-released it for christmas um but i i'm so glad that i saw it in the theater because it is an absolute stunner of a visual a visual feast sweet um so yeah so that's a green night i really liked it uh yeah yeah
1: I'm gonna do my damnness to try to see that one nice by the end of the year nice I think uh, Ben was pretty high on it as well wasn't yeah.
0: he yeah yeah he loaned me his Blu-ray for months and then <laughs> and then uh, for for uh, for awards consideration I got the screener for it so I was like hey sweet. here's your Blu-ray back and then I ended up just watching it in the theater <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um, but yeah I highly recommend it The Green Knight amazing sweet yeah, so tiny. What do you have to round us out for extended potpourri?
1: Well, again, this will be brief. Um, mm-hmm. It's a series from Netflix that came out a couple of years ago, but I just now got around to watching it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Ava DuVernay's "When They See Us." Nice. Um, I had fully meant to see it, but I just mm-hmm. I just didn't get around to it. Um, yeah, because it came out on the like the 30th anniversary of when the boys were originally convicted. Yeah. I think, or the commission of the crime somewhere, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. 1989 It came out in 2019. The Central
0: park five. is that Central it? park
1: five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, um, say so yeah, that'd be the 40th anniversary. Jeez. Dang. Is that right? Mm.
0: Uh, math is
1: uh, hard. No, 30th anniversary. There I'm, you go. I, math is hard. <laughs> um, but I, I wasn't really too familiar with the story other than wrongfully, it was some wrongfully convicted boys. Mm-hmm. That's all I really knew about it. um, the, the series was really amazing. Um, I'm also nice. not too familiar with Ava DuVernay. She did mm-hmm. Selma, which I liked a lot. Yeah. was a tragically mm-hmm. underlooked, overlooked mm-hmm. movie when it came out. Um, and she produced 13th, the documentary. Yeah. But I'm not really familiar with her work, really. Mm-hmm. Um, she did a really good job. Um, nice. Very good writing. Nice visual style throughout mm-hmm. this. Um, there's one, the... I think it's only four episodes. Yeah. The fourth episode is kind of the perspective of one, one of the main characters, one of the boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and just his perspective is amazing. He's almost like hallucinating in prison. Um, oh, really? and it's, it's really the way she captured it was just gorgeous and so well done. Wow. Um, very cerebral feel to it. Um, but, but to me, what, what jumped out so much, um, was, where the performances were fantastic, but uh, mm-hmm. most notably uh, there's an actor. I had never seen him in anything. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Mm-hmm. Um, Jarrell Jerome is his name. Okay. He played Corey Wise, mm-hmm. who was the only one who was tried and convicted as an adult, I think. Oh, wow. He was the oldest one. He was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, all the other boys were 14, I think.
2: Okay.
0: Or
1: 15. Um, so, he had the the harshest sentence and the longest sentence oh, of any of them, yeah. and he he went through hell uh, during his time wow. in prison, and it was horrible. And uh, all of the other the other four boys were portray- portrayed by child actors in mm-hmm. the early episodes, and then adult actors okay. in the other two episodes he's the only character who he played the 16-year-old version and the adult version.
0: Oh, interesting. Um, okay. I didn't
1: even look at how old he is. He was born mm-hmm. in 97. Oh, okay. Um, So he's uh, only... 24? 20.
0: Almost 25? Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, he looked like a 15 16 year old boy and he looked wow. like a 40 year old man when he got out of prison like it's Oh wow. and he was just absolutely phenomenal. I cannot wait to see what he does next. Nice. Um if if you watch this series for one thing, watch it for Jerrell Jerome. He was nice. he was just incredible. Um but it's also just a remarkable story. Um mm-hmm. you know, I I think wrongful conviction stories kind of get this silver lining, kind of glossy, mm-hmm. glossied up kind of stuff sometimes that can be kind of, uh, it, it seems disingenuous, I guess, um, but, you know, the, the this story doesn't have that feel to it. It's, okay. it, it feels so genuine mm-hmm. and so um, on the mark, and I, I really, really adored it. Uh, okay. It's 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 and it's it's not too long. It's not too short. It was perfect for episodes Just right.
0: <laughs> just right.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. Just I highly recommend it. If you did you ever watch it? Matt? I
0: never did. I, okay. It was definitely on my radar, but I never yeah. watched it. Unfortunately.
1: Definitely recommend it. It's it's really nice. incredible and just a story that needed to be told.
0: Nice. Yeah. And I I could be completely off base, but I feel like there may have been like an after show on Netflix about it. Oh really? Or like an interview thing with them I'd love to see that. Um yeah, I'm trying to bring it up here. Okay. Um but but yeah, I'm definitely um definitely interested in it, for mm-hmm. sure. Um
1: yeah. It's really good. Uh, um nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it is on my list. Oh yeah, um so Oprah Winfrey Oprah Winfrey presents Uh, when they see us now, it's, uh, Oprah Winfrey talks with the exonerated men, once known as the central part five, plus the cast and producers who tell their story in when they see us. Oh, cool. Yeah. It is a one hour special on Netflix. I'll have to watch that. Yeah. That's cool. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that should just about do it for this episode of obsessive viewer. Um, I do think. Um I'll have to edit this out if I don't pull the trigger on this, but I do have a recording of me, Ben, and our friend Andy Carr from the IFJA um, uh, talking about West Side Story outside of the theater when we saw it. So I'm going to probably pad this episode with that recording. And then also after that, there may be a recording of me and Andy Carr and Mitch uh, Ringenberger ringenberg um from the ifj uh talking about nightmare alley um but i don't know how much of that audio is salvageable because we got uh busted by security guards there <laughs> um but anyway uh i will put that up and post and everything and uh and yeah uh any parting thoughts tiny for this what what may be your last episode of obsessive viewer in 2021
1: yeah um we'll see you for the uh the end of year episode yes. or the top ten episode, yes. um, the
0: twenty twenty one year in review, twenty twenty one year in review. Yes, yes. so
1: uh, look forward to that. Yes, this the next two three weeks is preparation for that. So. Yep,
0: absolutely. Yeah. And I was listening to the old ones. Um, <laughs> and, uh, don't listen to the old ones. Like you and Mike are great, but me, just I, I hear the anxiety in my voice. I hear the, uh, I hear the. Um, Unsurety, like the anxiety or what's the word I'm looking for? Um imposter syndrome. Oh yeah. Uh I don't know, my frail Lack ego. of confidence. Lack of confidence. Yeah. yeah. So don't listen to those. But um <laughs> but yeah, listen to our last last few years, I guess. Gotcha. I don't know. But anyway, uh yeah, I guess that will do it for this episode of The Obsessive Viewer. Um thank you Tiny for joining me. And uh Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh well, uh, well yeah, you're you're it's our show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, next week on the podcast, I do believe I'm going to try my best to put together an episode where Feckus and I will be talking about Spider-Man No Way Home and then also in that same episode, Sam Watermeyer from uh, Midwest Film Journal and the IFJA, uh, who was previously on an episode earlier this year, uh, he and I are going to talk about The Matrix Resurrections. And I'm going to put that all together. That's hopefully going to be up on Christmas Eve. And then uh, for New Year's Eve, I'm going to have hopefully an episode all about what we did this year on the podcast <laughs> and uh, kind of as a sizzle reel and uh, and kind of recap and um, recap and stat tracking and stuff i don't know so we'll see um but yeah i guess that will do it for this episode of the obsessive viewer Uh, thank you guys so much for listening and i'm going to go ahead and play us out here um yeah and thank you to robert in utah for the very nice gift of the devil's backbone on blu-ray so excited to eventually watch that and cover it and everything so thank you very much robert and hope you guys all have a very happy holiday season and uh thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time thanks guys Okay, so Tiny just left, and um, I'm about to go ahead and introduce us to uh, the West Side Story recording that I did with Ben and Andy Carr from uh, the IFJ outside of the theater when we saw a press screening for West Side Story. So um, this should be about 20 minutes long. Check the show notes and everything, but here is the recording that we did about West Side Story. So here we go. I'm going to play that right now. Hello and welcome to the Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com and more of our podcast at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcast. And I'm speaking very quickly because we are outside of the movie theater right now. <laughs> and all right, and we're joined with Andy Carr from the IFJ and several different places. Andy, welcome to the show. <laughs> in the outside yeah there we go perfect uh why don't you go ahead and tell everyone where they can find you online and uh and where you where all of your work is oh
4: sure uh so i write for the film yap primarily at filmyap.substack.com mm-hmm. i also co-host a podcast with my friend logan Sowash called odd trilogies with logan and andy nice. um we're on spotify and most of the platforms there mm-hmm. so
3: Nice. Now your date of birth and your social <laughs>
0: security number. Social. Okay. Your mother's maiden name. Mailing address. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to the show. We are. We just got out of West Side Story, uh, by Steven Spielberg. And uh, yeah, so we're going to kind of talk about it a little bit um, and not freeze our balls off a little bit here. <laughs> uh, what we usually do is basically like a non-spoiler and spoiler review, but let's just go ahead and go into spoilers because okay. I'm going to play a clip from the trailer to bring us into it. And uh, yeah, so we're going to go ahead and spoil West Side Story. <laughs> uh, what did you guys think of West Side Story? And uh, yeah, well, what were your thoughts going in and your uh, were your expectations met? Yeah.
3: Um. I tried to keep my expectations a little low. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of a gutsy call to uh, remake a uh, one of the best musicals of all time, mm-hmm. and one that won uh, ten Oscars, including <laughs> yeah. Best Picture, and is. You know, widely regarded as one of the best movie musicals of all time. So mm-hmm. i I tried to keep my expectations low, but I mean, the more I saw of it, the more trailers I saw of it, the more I heard, uh, the higher my expectations got. And i I would say they were pretty well met uh, for the most part. Um, nice. It's. West Side Story is a musical that I've seen once, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the movie version. I've never seen this, this stage play, Mm -hmm. uh, but I really liked it and, um, yeah, this, this was a pretty faithful, pretty solid, uh, adaptation of that. Mm
0: -hmm. Nice. Andy, how about you? Um,
4: I'm coming to this with probably a pretty unique or at least bizarre, (laughs) uh, perspective in that, uh. I don't have a ton of context because I haven't I haven't actually seen the original. I know it's Mm -hmm. heresy, but um, (laughs) I've not seen the original. I'm really not that much of a musical guy. Um, I understand West Side Story is a classic and super influential, and I've heard most of the songs I heard in this movie before. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was visually stunning, and the whole like the sound design in general was Mm -hmm. gorgeous and just a pleasure to look at and listen to. Oh yeah. Um, i i think and i and i thought the the way that kind of the social political commentary was articulated was really fascinating to hmm. to follow along with um but uh i i was kind of i was checking my watch for like the oh, last yeah. third i was, I was a <laughs> little i thought it dragged a little bit after the kind of climactic battle rumble.
0: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i i I saw the original like years ago and I saw it uh performed on on the stage at uh, Speedway Senior high School uh when I was a teenager and uh yeah and i I had pretty middling expectations here I didn't really have many expectations here, but I too thought, okay well, it is pretty ballsy to remake West Side Story. Mm-hmm. But also it's Spielberg doing it, so I feel like Spielberg has like the clout to be able to do whatever right, he wants right. obviously but uh but I knew that he would kind of have this uh he would have care with it and everything he would he would handle it with care, and I think that he did like to your point, Andy, about the visual style and everything, um, mm-hmm. I kind of found it really fascinating the way that it deals with or the way that it showcases uh the cinematography in a unique way. I kind of felt like it was an ode to like old old style Hollywood and like Technicolor filmmaking and stuff or like it's just very vibrant while mm-hmm. the set design is very much like stage set dressing but, you know, three dimensional and everything. And right. it just looked really cool. Um yeah. And, yeah yeah. T- to elaborate on that
4: a little more, I <laughs> thought it, while I was watching the movie I just couldn't stop thinking like I don't really think I've seen another movie at least in recent memory that looks mm-hmm. anything like this movie just right. because mm-hmm. like you said the the kind of color quality and filmment quality of it was very old school retro but it it still felt the way it was shot the way the camera moved the compositions and the editing felt a lot more modern so it was a a really interesting blend that you know maybe only somebody like spielberg could have pulled off Um, and i was just kind of enamored by that the whole time that contrast
0: yeah ben what did you think of Uh, it yeah
3: it is visually just incredible see this on in imax if you can Mm -hmm. see it in dolby if you can just see it on the biggest screen possible yeah Uh, and, uh, yeah, the, the choreography, the colors, like, from the costumes, the set design, all of it mm-hmm. just looked incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, the—one of the dance sequences uh, at, at a high school dance or whatever mm-hmm. uh, just really blew me away. That and uh, the America sequence were just—
2: incredible oh yeah yeah. oh yeah
3: and i i love the gym sequence in the
2: Mm -hmm.
3: uh 61 version as well that Mm -hmm. one uh from what i remember is almost kind of like a dream sequence i think interesting uh that one this in this version it doesn't quite get to that level but it's Mm -hmm. still just it looks great Mm -hmm. Uh, the choreography the the set design all of mm-hmm. it is just really great and and yes. uh, the blocking with the camera work just uh, outstanding top level
0: yeah oh yeah did um... Ben when was the last time you saw the original the 61 version Because I feel like of the three of us, you probably saw it more recently. Maybe
3: two years ago. Okay. I saw it for
0: Unspooled. Oh, nice. uh, Nice.
3: Two, maybe three years ago.
0: Okay. Nice. Yeah, I watched it maybe five years ago, and it was like a thing where I was like half asleep during it, which is normally (laughs) basically how I watch movies. (laughs) Yep. But, um... But yeah, I was really impressed with just the film quality of it and the way that it just the 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 momentum of it. Like you said, Ben, the camera work, the blocking, the choreography of the dancing mm-hmm. was just immaculate, like incredibly meticulous. Um, and do you, I'm trying to rack my brain. I was thinking about this during the movie, but and I'm I feel like I'm going to I'm going to ask this, and then it's going to sound stupid because <laughs> maybe there is one. But has Spielberg ever done a musical like this? I don't uh, think not so. to
4: my knowledge. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. He's, so that's interesting. <laughs>
3: well, I know the color purple is not a musical, but oh, was sorry. that a stage play? It us? was
0: a stage play. Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, and the dinosaurs do have that rap scene in jurassic park so <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. cool how could i uh, forget <laughs> yeah yeah uh what did you guys think of the performances i know that the actress playing uh oh, geez maria is a newcomer um yes. oh yeah apparently she yeah. performed in her high school <laughs> and oh, wow. then was cast on this i,
4: I thought she was great mm-hmm. in this um rachel
0: segler segler yeah.
4: i thought i thought everybody pulled their weight pretty mm-hmm. well um i mean I, I know there was a lot of kind of hubbub and pushback about Ansel Elgort when oh, the, yeah. when the trailer first came out. People were saying, "Oh, he can't be Tony or mm-hmm. whatever." And you know, I, uh, watching the movie, I did keep kind of questioning. I was like, "He feels like a weird fit for this role." Uh, yeah, like, he was acting well. Like it was, yeah. it was a good performance, right. but it was like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made the same choice to pick right. him. Right?
0: Was, yeah.
3: was this his first
0: musical?
4: Uh, uh, unless you count Baby Driver, I was gonna
0: say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think so. It's I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, let okay. me look because uh, he kind of has like I don't know. I well, I don't know he, anything. I'm pretty about sure he has him.
4: stage experience, so Probably. he might have yeah. done a musical live yeah. before. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah.
4: Uh, I I agree. All of the
3: performances were really mm. great. Um, Ariana DeBose as Anita was uh, fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah that was the uh rita moreno role in the original yeah uh which again won an oscar Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it was so uh, cool to
0: see her have such a prominent role in it too rita moreno yeah yeah
3: um and uh i maybe you can look this up or i'll Mm -hmm. I'll bring it up uh david alvarez as bernardo was also pretty great oh Uh, yeah yeah just uh really solid all around um
0: yeah, uh, I was also surprised to see Corey Stahl in it. Uh, oh, yeah. He did, he did fine. He did a good job, I yeah. think. But uh, that was an interesting interesting casting choice, I think. Right. Um. Yeah. Well, let's see. Okay, so f- kind of final thoughts on this. It's a brief one, but I'm freezing a little bit. Uh, overall thoughts. How did you feel about the dramatic tension of the movie? And that's a big question and everything. I like, like uh, the actress playing Anita. I think she did a really good job of capturing the emotion of... of her scenes and everything. How'd you guys feel about the drama as it was presented in the movie? Um, I
4: may be blaspheming in Sondheim's church here, but, uh um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, uh, I, I think more of my, my issues with this or the kind of drawbacks I felt were mm-hmm. like with the source material or the, mm-hmm. the story as it is meant to be told rather than like this yeah. iteration of it. I, I had a lot of trouble like engaging with the characters after the Rumble. Sure. Um, yeah. After Tony kills a guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was like, Yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah. I, I'm. I'm pretty good when I'm watching a movie at not kind of immediately writing off any character and being like, Okay, you did that. Now you're morally reprehensible. and I hate <laughs> right. you. I can pretty much feel with feel for any character, but I just I yeah. was struggling to figure out where, like, what this movie wanted me to. <sighs> to take home and what i wanted me to kind of feel about each of these characters or maybe it didn't want me to feel anything in particular just wanted Mm -hmm. me to respond but i I had a very hard time with that last kind of 30 minutes where it was just chaos yeah i
3: i had forgotten the plot development after that rumble when Mm -hmm. uh Maria basically uh, says, oh, you know, you killed my brother. No, no big deal. But,
4: right, right. Uh, that scene was weird. Yeah. <laughs> and so I I had
3: forgotten about that until I kind of saw it coming this time around. And I don't know. I, I feel like I was a little more forgiving of it this time around. Not necessarily because of the performances or whatever, but I, I don't know. I started to remember like, oh, uh, this bernardo wasn't exactly the nicest dude to her so right, right. um uh, yeah i it, it yeah. didn't uh it didn't ruin it for me but yeah, sure would i have written it a little differently probably yeah mm-hmm. you know also i, I yeah. get that it's uh a, uh a romeo and juliet riff and it's kind of you know finding a way to get to that end conclusion but right. um yeah I'd, I'd probably write it differently if I could. Did you yeah. guys
4: having? I mean, since I haven't seen the original, is it significantly different from a narrative perspective than the original, or does it pretty much stick to the same?
0: I don't remember it quite that well. I mean, I know the, the um, kind of the big
4: points yeah. are all pretty much the same, but yeah, from,
3: from what I remember, yeah, I think it's it's a pretty faithful adaptation, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, let's see. This was two hours, 36 minutes. Yeah. 61. Yeah, I think the original was, was like three hours. Three minutes shorter. Oh, so, oh wow. Okay. Well, huh. Probably all huh. will be all in the credits there. So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's a pretty pretty faithful adaptation. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are, you know, Broadway uh, nerds out there who can yeah. fact check <laughs> me on that. But.
0: Right. Yeah, check out state.com for all your hate mail. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, the 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 idea I, I don't remember in the original or in the stage play if tony kills bernardo out of self-defense or anything but here it's like clearly like oh yeah. it's revenge immediately yeah, yeah, yeah. right and like that like you said it kind of makes me feel a little bit like iffy on it like <laughs> i don't i can't like there's a quick line where he's like i'm gonna go to the police or something but i came to see you or whatever yeah. and then they're planning their escape and i'm like oh okay you you kind of made a pretty big leap there right um and that kind of just that kind of soured it for me too as well so yeah, yeah. i yeah. think
3: if there are any changes it might be like they might have added in a song or two there like mm-hmm. i i don't know if the rita Moreno song in this one mm-hmm. was in the original one oh okay. Yeah. i don't uh, again it's it, don't don't quote me on this but i don't think the yeah. uh, shopkeeper person in the original mm. had much of a role yeah so
0: huh one thing that i thought was kind of curious and i'm curious how it relates to the original if this is a character that was in the original but the the i can't, i don't know their name but um it uh, was it was it a uh, uh, transsexual character oh yeah i think it was yeah. a transgender yeah. character transgender, and also yeah.
4: maybe I, I couldn't tell for sure, but it almost seemed like she he he was like Puerto Rican but white passing. Maybe or some sort hmm. of other ethnicity yeah. but kind of okay. could pass as white. Yeah. That um,
3: did kind of come back to me because I think there is someone like that. Okay. If not like uh, coded as a girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, then maybe just like it was like someone younger. Okay. Than the other was, jets. Yeah. So
0: I was thinking in the original, is it maybe like a tomboy character that's trying to maybe yeah. maybe something like that.
4: Yeah. Um. When well, I yeah. I really liked I liked all the moments that we got with that character. Yeah. I liked following that character's kind of background thread through the whole yeah. movie. But by the time the credits rolled i i was i didn't really feel like i got to connect with that character, like that character I, was sort of I was really like necessary. why yeah why were you there right yeah. i wanted oh, yeah. a reason to love you but
0: <laughs> right <laughs> yeah all right well i think that'll just about do it uh uh-huh. this is our well i'm hoping to do three different recordings and throughout the week because we're going to do there's a don't don't look up screening tomorrow and then wednesday's nightmare alley and then i'm going to pitch uh, titch i'm gonna tit it all together (laughs) i'm gonna stitch it all together for a full episode but anyway andy thank you so much for joining us for thanks for having me chatting about uh west side story once again can you tell everyone where to find you on social media and your podcast and your writing and all of that good stuff
4: oh sure uh you can find my writing at uh, filmyap.substack.com and you can find my podcast uh odd trilogies on facebook or at odd trilogies on instagram
0: Nice. And what was the most recent odd trilogy you did? Because the whole uh, premise of the podcast is that you put together three not necessarily connected movies. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. We, we find uh, three movies that are connected by some significant element, whether they're mm-hmm. part of the same series or maybe it's just a single director or a director-actor pair or even just like mm-hmm. a thematic connection, you know, nice. or maybe they're three movies about Santa Claus or something. <laughs> um, you know, uh, the, the odder, the better, we say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but our, our most recent one was the rise of Chloe Zhao, uh, oh, nice. director of Nomad Land and Etern- mm-hmm. Marvel's Eternals, nice. the recent release. So nice. we kind of chronicled her rise to prominence. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Awesome. Well, yeah, check have, that out. That's have you that.
3: done any happy Madison movies?
4: <laughs> We've not. We do have some Adam Sandler in our kind of backlog that we're okay. that we're working up to. Oh but. God.
0: Okay. Oof. Well, can't wait to hear what you guys come up with and everything. <laughs> Thank you. And Ben, uh, do you wanna do do you wanna plug your site? Say that again? Do you want to plug your site? Sure.
3: Yeah, yeah, themoviestate.com. It's up and running. Uh, Be on the lookout for, hopefully by the time this comes out, I'll have a uh, West Side Story review posted uh, on there. And then uh, you can find links to all my social on there as well.
0: All right. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me. And uh, yeah, we will be back uh, for another thing in this recording. So you guys won't really miss anything. So I don't know how to transition out. So anyway, thank you guys for listening and enjoy this next segment. And thank you guys for chatting with me. Okay. And thank you so much to Andy Carr for being a part of that recording after the movie. And sorry for the delay with getting this posted and everything. And so I'm going to round out this episode with a... um, with a, I don't know how much of this audio is salvageable because uh, we got interrupted by the mall security guards. So basically, um, I went to a press screening a couple weeks back for Nightmare Alley, the new Guillermo del Toro movie, and I recorded about it with uh, Andy Carr again and Mitch Ring- uh, Ringenberger. Ringenberg, God, I keep messing up his name. I'm so sorry, Mitch. Um, with my friends, Mitch and Andy from the IFJA. And uh, we uh, recorded for a little bit and then two things happened. One, I think I accidentally paused the recording because I was trying to check to make sure that the battery was still alive um, or wasn't going to crash on me. And then I accidentally pressed the pause button. So I think that it cuts out just abruptly. Um, And then the other thing that happened is after that, the mall security came by and said that we couldn't record there. So anyway, here is... A partial recording, I guess, of us talking about Nightmare Alley. So here we go. I'm going to roll that right now. All right. And we have just seen... Nightmare Alley? That's what it was called. Nightmare <laughs> yeah. on Elm Street, that's yes, right. Yes, Nightmare on Alley. Um, <laughs> and uh, so uh, if you listened to the last segment where we talked about uh, West Side Story, West Side Story, yeah. I had mentioned, oh, hey, we have a screening next uh, tomorrow for Don't Look Up. I did not go to that screening, <laughs> and apparently I wasn't missing much. Uh, well, um, you missed a wild time, yeah. but not a good movie. Right. So tonight we've just seen Nightmare Alley. I'm here with Andy Carr once again and Mitch Ringenberg. Uh, yeah, if you guys want to just introduce yourselves and say where you, where they can find you online and uh, all your writing and everything. Sure,
5: uh, I'm Mitch Ringenberg. I write for the Midwest Film Journal, and that's, that's... pretty much it. Unless you <laughs> live in Boston, Massachusetts, and get a <laughs> local paper there, but uh, okay, you know, the the Advocate. But yeah
0: oh. wait do you, do you write for the advocate oh just a local paper in okay in Everett, boston massachusetts yeah really are you yeah. a big fan Matt? no no no, oh, no. i okay. just that's interesting Avid reader yeah <laughs> it's my uncle's
5: newspaper oh gotcha I just, I just
0: throw him a review every now and then nice nice <laughs> and where can we find you on twitter and letterboxd and everything um for all the hate
5: mail At Wounded underscore Kite. Nice. (laughs) At letterbox At Wounded underscore Kite on Twitter. (laughs) Nice. At Wounded underscore Kite (laughs) on Instagram.
4: Nice. There's got to be a way you can... uh... Make that little yeah. tag more succinct. Shorten
5: that a little bit.
0: <coughs> <laughs> nope, that's as succinct as yeah. it can possibly be. Nice. And Andy, Andy, since you already said that in the West Side Story, just refresh where we can find you. Oh, sure.
5: Uh, yeah. car underscore Carr.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, Andy Carr. I write
4: for the Film Yap at uh, filmyap.substack.com. And I also co-host a podcast called Odd Trilogies with my yes. buddy Logan Sowash, which you can find on uh spotify apple google podcasts all the major ones and you can follow us on instagram at odd trilogies
0: nice well welcome to the show guys i am pl- delighted to have to have uh some of the i don't know if i made this joke the other day uh. but some of the ifj boys here oh yeah the uh, if gentlemen yeah the <laughs> if gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> uh here on the show and uh we're oh, gonna go
4: Huh? We're big on, on Brent.
0: Oh, big on Brent. Yes, yes. Um.
4: <laughs> that one's for the boys at home.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so we're here to talk about Nightmare Alley. I think we're going to probably just do a non-spoiler thing. Sure. Um, and just kind of have a general discussion about it. The plot summary, courtesy of Imdeba is an ambitious carny, wow, with a talent for manipulating people with a few well-chosen words, hooks up with a female psychiatrist who is even more dangerous than he is. Directed by
5: Guillermo del Toro. Questions at you. I I can go first. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I feel about Nightmare Alley about the same I feel about most of Guillermo del Toro's movies in that they... I love that there is a director who is a master. I mean, he is Mm -hmm. unbelievably talented. I mean, you watch 10 minutes of Nightmare Alley, and you're like, this dude is in control. The cinematography, the acting, like, it is absolutely unbelievable. Um, And he is making genre films, Mm -hmm. like he is making hardcore genre films <laughs> that do not get made at this level anymore. Right, I yeah. mean, this is a 100 million dollar noir film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh with hints of horror, but it is yeah. it is a straight up noir. Do not get that confused. Right. Um and yet I also feel like that's it. Like it is a really impressive genre exercise <laughs> at a high budget that emotionally I was mildly invested in. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Guillermo feels like a an A plus craftsman mm-hmm. that I kind of feel like makes like B plus movies. If that makes oh, okay. sense. Yeah. Oh, that totally um, makes high sense. grade B genre. Yeah, like but like I love B movies. Oh, sure. B movies yeah. Yeah. are my A movies. And yet, like <laughs> emotionally, I just. It's like he's not trashy enough, but he's also like not like yeah like art like he's not like like I don't get the emotional um sort of catharsis I want at the end of his movie, but I also don't get yeah. like these sort of like visceral like gory goofy thrills yeah. that I necessarily need yeah. mm-hmm. and like but at the end like it is a very good movie yeah and i'm like so happy it's like i kind of want this to be like my favorite movie of the year sure and i'm like that was really good yeah so that's where i'm at he makes kind of like high
0: grade b movies like you said and it's just the sheen of them is is really uh really impressive yeah when when you're dealing with plots that are like really out there and stuff like uh like, uh... Out there in the context of like um
4: what a modern audience is yeah, expecting, yeah, yeah, exactly,
0: Andy, what did you think?
4: um yeah, well, I certainly wouldn't add much to what Mitch said about Guillermo del Toro as a director. I mm-hmm. think that's absolutely on point. He's kind of a master of his specific okay. taste and sure. and delivers on that uh full stop um, I will say, in regards to like yeah the emotional the emotionality of this store of this story and the uh kind of plot on its own uh do you curse on this podcast
0: yes fuck yes
4: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was kind of fucking bored oh yeah um mm-hmm. i really liked the first hour maybe hour and a half mm-hmm. where it's it's it mostly takes place in a carnival mm-hmm. um and it's kind of bradley cooper's character taking or er, kind of coming up through the the carny life and figuring all that out and meeting all these interesting characters that seem to have maybe more layers than we're seeing at first or at mm-hmm. least than that than uh Bradley Cooper's seeing at first um but then it kind of it becomes something else and becomes more of kind of a noir thriller mystery yeah. uh con job type thing yeah. that was way less interesting to me than just kind of the let me figure out what the carney life is about yeah. and and all that. So I liked the beginning and I liked the ending, but mm. I, I got swept up in the slog in the middle.
0: I'm, I'm kind of of the same mind mm-hmm. the there's like a hard reset about an hour in yeah. where we jump a little bit and then we kind of have to just play catch up with uh, with the characters and then it's just like that Carney lifestyle just kind of goes away entirely and then right. transitions into like that noir thing which I liked for the most part but then then it kind of seems like for the f- throughout the whole beginning of the movie there are a bunch of instances where People are using like mentalist tricks and then we get like something I thought was really effective in that first section was that we see we see it play out and then we see uh, just the explanation of it afterward. And it's so just like it's so clever to an extent how it plays out all each time and then. I feel like when we transition to the noir thing, there's a similar kind of thing, but it's not as compelling as like the little carny tricks and everything. And it's, it plays out for far too long. And it's just, it, it kind of just seems like, okay, we spent an hour with this fun carny atmosphere and everything and the vibrant colors and Mm -hmm. just the, like the amazing, like cinematography and everything. And then now we're transitioning into a more, a more, I wouldn't say conventional because I don't think Guillermo del Toro does anything conventional. Right, right. No, but like a more, a, a less vibrant, like more straightforward noir thing, as straightforward as he can be with it. Right. Um. And so that kind of took me out of it a little bit. I did really like the the ending though, which we won't spoil it or anything. But I really enjoyed uh, the ending, how it kind of all wrapped up and everything. Yeah.
5: I I would just say too, it's like I feel like when a movie is like very good that i want to be like great Mm -hmm. i feel like my review i'm like spending so much time just being like well here's what stopped it from being great and like and in this case it's like what this movie does so well is Mm -hmm. that like i mean visually like the set design every frame of this movie is oh gorgeous Oh, it's a oh, immaculate. Absolutely. Movies don't oh, yeah. look like this. They <laughs> no, just no. do not look like this. Ever. Well,
4: it's like it's like what movies want to look like. Like that's what <laughs> yeah. it feels oh, like. Yeah. That's what movies look like in movies. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
5: they're something. like whatever. Like here's some boring. You know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, Disney's uh, Carnival, <laughs> <Right>. like <laughs> in theaters yeah. this January. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it's like it's like, and it's all computer generated. Mm. It's like. Whatever's computer generated, in this movie is like completely seamless. Oh God. yeah, I didn't oh yeah, anything. completely oh, yeah. seamless.
0: It's, when you said Disney's Carnival, I immediately thought Jungle Cruise. Yeah, like yeah, right. on the inside. <laughs>
5: right. I didn't want to like, yeah. say that because I haven't <laughs> seen that movie. But like it's spot on. It's yeah. like, Guillermo the <laughs> Tour is like a filmmaker, and mm-hmm. like, so it's like to me, it's like, okay, the fact that this movie is like, it's it's a really good movie, mm-hmm. and like, we haven't even talked about the performances, oh, but yeah. like, yeah, I felt like bradley cooper like he's such a whatever actor made it's not gonna Mm -hmm. be excited but like i felt like he really kind of as the movie went on i really bought his sort of like desperation like sure yeah he's a great film noir protagonist Mm -hmm. protagonist in the sense like he's a strong like kind of sexy dude at first and then you're Mm -hmm. like as the movie goes on yeah. He's like pathetic. How, yeah, you see how much. Yeah. Is, is, is like, I see how you're I see how the woman is drawn in. I yeah. see how she's repulsed. Right. Um my biggest complaint in this movie, and I mentioned this to you guys earlier, mm-hmm. is like I think Rooney Mara, his like initial love interest mm-hmm. yeah. is is like almost strictly a plot device. She's yeah. very underused as yeah. an actress. And, yeah. yeah. Oh and, and this is like what the like the latest of like ten movies in which she's employed, oh, yeah, and she's oh, not yeah.
0: great. Yeah, but. and like you guys were saying, she hasn't she has amazing acting chops and everything, oh, yeah. and it's just so un just underserved in this movie. And like I was saying, that it's kind of a. It's a, it's a thing where she is just she does one thing and it's only to serve what happens later in the movie and then she like does another thing and it's only to serve what happens there she doesn't have like any any actual arc except for yeah. in relation to Bradley Cooper's character yeah there's just not and a lot of agency no there. no yeah. yeah I mean yeah. yeah like I thought the
4: atmosphere of it was completely engrossing and convincing mm-hmm. and I never once yeah. thought like oh this is you know a facade or you know a a story that's being told to me it's just you know it's it exists it it, yeah this is a world that i'm peering into Mm -hmm. and yet for as much as i was kind of conceptually invested in it Mm -hmm. i was never emotionally grabbed by it and it was just kind of like this feels like a love letter to something that maybe yeah. i lack the context right. for and
5: so it's like i'm happy for you yeah. guillermo but it's
0: a love letter <laughs> yeah. to
5: world and war ii I, era Carney life yeah <laughs> I, I don't i don't mean this as like uh you haven't uh started up on your fox noirs or whatever <laughs> yeah. but like i mean the movie to a t follows the exact plot arc and like and when i think back to something like even some of the greatest noirs like mm-hmm. Out of the Past or like even some 70s stuff like Body. Yeah. It's like, yeah, these are characters that just like make dumbass decisions mm-hmm. that you're like, what are you, you mm-hmm. fucking yeah. doing, dude? Yep. And to me, like this is doing the same thing. Sure. But sometimes I think like um, Guillermo's sort of like, I don't know if it's like just his reputation at this point, but like sometimes I think he's like so prestigious that I'm like, yeah, what are you know, what I mean, I almost feel like I'm like, okay, and thank you so much
0: to Mitch and Andy for joining me for that segment. Um, However, what however it ended, I haven't checked it yet. So I'm I'm doing all of this in post. So hopefully it's not too bad. Hopefully it's not too abrupt. I'll do a fade out. Um, I will have done a fade out. You would have just heard it. Um, So hopefully you guys don't mind that abruptness or maybe I can find a good edit point to end it in anyway. Um, that'll do it for this episode of the obsessive viewer. Thank you guys so much for listening and thank you to uh, Andy and to Mitch um, for joining us for those recordings um, after those screenings. And yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and play us out. Um, yeah. Uh, once again, check out Patreon, patreon.com obsessiveviewer obsessive viewer and uh, support us and everything. And uh, if not, that's fine. But also I hope you guys have a good holiday season and uh, I'll be back uh next week hopefully with uh, a big episode for spider-man and the matrix resurrections so thank you guys and i'll see you next time and now here's a short clip from our patreon exclusive rss feed to hear the full clip and more exclusive patreon content go to patreon.com obsessive and become a patron at the minimum rate of one dollar per month thank you and enjoy And Yeah, I stand by that. I rated it four stars on Letterboxd. It was a very just emotionally pure movie. Um, The relationship or the friendship between Luca and Alberto is just so beautifully rendered, so beautifully realized because it is that that curiosity of youth and the idea of them bonding over their shared interest of like scooters and or Vespas, I should say. Um, and, and exploring the world, like there's this hunger for exploration of the world and everything, because this is a completely foreign world to them because they're sea monsters. And the way that it, the way that it works is that they're sea monsters under the sea. And then when they come to land, they just change into humans. And so there is a lot of like deceit or, or deception that they have to engage in with, with uh, the people that they meet online.
5: This podcast was edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com. You can find links to all of our shows at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts. For exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.